they were saying that in in next few years there will be only two types of companies one which would have adopted all these technologies and second who do not exist because they haven't adopted these technologies at least at the least what we can do is learn to do the prompt engineering these tools are amazing we need to know how to ask questions to these machines to get the better use of them welcome to the discovered podcast discovered is a product discovery community organized by clavu featuring the brightest minds in e-commerce i'm uh, one of the co-founders and cto at clavu my background is actually in the field of ai i've been in this since 2002 and since we started the company ai has been playing the major role in the technology today i will be mainly talking about where we are with ai and where we are heading to we all have been hearing a lot about chat gpt the models behind it i think it's important to understand that how have we reached to this movement and what it means to run these models in large cloud infrastructure so before we get into those points i thought there are some vocabulary which is going around people have been talking a lot about chatbots vectors embeddings i thought it will be good if we can just go through it and understand them in a very simple language what they mean because we are dealing in search let me start with the different types of search that we have been talking about the first one is the keyword based search most search engines today they use keywords based search so you fire a query query will have certain keywords and they will try to find it in the index and whichever document has those keywords those will come out and you will see them but then there is a neural and semantic search what do we mean by that neural and semantic search they they don't rely on keywords but they mainly focus on the meaning of those keywords and they try to find something that's similar found in the index Let, let's take an example to understand let's say i want to eat italian food tonight and that's my query right in google that that's what i'm typing how would a neural search and semantic search help here a neural search will understand that i am looking for an italian restaurant and based on my current location it may suggest certain restaurants around me but semantic search will go one step further in addition to what neural search did it will also try to understand what has been my preferences about the restaurants about the about the type of the italian food i also like the intention of the semantic search is to make my wish come true and depending on that it will try to get me the relevant results how they are implemented behind the scene we'll we'll look into that very shortly chatbots and conversational ai they both try to make it possible for humans to interact with the computers in a conversational manner 
chatbots are more kind of static they they produce more kind of static responses whereas when you talk about conversational ai they understand the human language and the response that they produce is also something that's very natural and we all know chat gpt is a wonderful example of a conversational ai agent when we talk about vectors and embeddings machines and machine learning algorithms they love to work with numbers they struggle to work with text and that's why the very first thing that we do is that we convert these words into numbers a set of words converted into numbers is something what we call a vector and when you look at words which appear in the similar context put together that's what we call an embedding what does it mean if we are mentioning a mouse a relevant word would be cheese or a trap right so you will see a set like you know an array of words or numbers representing mouse cheese and trap all appearing together that's what we call embedding when we talk about deep neural networks neural network is one type of machine learning algorithm which has a structure and functioning similar to our brain like on day to day basis we receive so much input through our senses and we process it bit by bit our brain processes it bit by bit and it makes certain decisions based on that when we talk about the neural network it has a similar structure it has something we call neurons or nodes and they also do exactly the same thing they takes inputs from outside they process it bit by bit to come to a some sort of decision how this neural network works actually works we will we'll see later on but that is what we need to understand that it is similar to our brain and it is processing this information bit by bit to come to some sort of decision finally when we look at generative ai and transformers as the name suggests here generative ai is a type of an artificial intelligence which helps generate new things it may be a text that it's generating it may be an image it may be a new video anything artificial intelligence that generates this new thing we call it generative ai and transformers are one type of neural network technology which help generate this content they have a special architecture which basically understand the context around the task and it will produce a more relevant new content so with with this knowledge we can jump into the next slide which is the keyword based what are the differences between keyword based neural and semantic search the techniques which are used so as we said in keyword based it's mainly the keyword matching there are some standard algorithms which are available in engines like you know solar elastic search when you download and when you start using them that's what you are getting algorithms like tf idf bm25 these are some of the examples to make it bit more powerful the developers would supply some additional information to it like you know additional synonyms or they will understand how to process the inflections 
when we talk about neural search neural search as we said it's a type of a neural network and it tries to understand the relations between the different words and phrases which are appearing in a document this is what they use the similarity matching technique is something what they use at the query time to find out the relevant results so if i say i want for example a jacket for a rainy day if in the description it says that you know it's good for a wet day it would understand that because semantically they are similar here semantic search semantic search is more established it has been used it does not rely on the complex technology as a neural network but there are several different ways how you can achieve semantic technology but it's more about natural language processing and how do you under, how do you parse the data that's given to you for keyword search the data requirement is very simple you can have supply just some documents and it will start working for neural search you actually need a lot of data because that's where you are trying to find out the different types of patterns between the words so you need a large amount of data semantic search can work on small amount of data as well implementation keywords based search is very easy neural search these days it has become very easy as well if you have a lot of data there are quite a few open source libraries you can use to implement a neural search yeah the applications where this different types of searches can be used so where you have short and simple queries the keyword search is relevant but where you have complex use cases that's where you would use actually neural search and semantic search we understand this with an example let's say a customer fires a query a dark colored dress for a wedding now which search will do what if it's a keyword based search it will remove the first thing it will do is it will remove the stop words and it will search for dark colored dress wedding and i guarantee you if you are just using the wedding search it will mess up your result completely but if you are using a neural and the semantic search semantic search will help first find out that what it is that the customer is looking for so that will be address dark color will be interpreted and the colors like black blue will come out in the result but there are still several questions to be answered just based on that query you cannot just get the right products what are these questions so what's the size what's the gender and what sort of budget a customer has this is where a conversational agent can actually help asking these questions getting these answers and then get the results out how do we develop systems like this we have come a very long way back in 2005 this is where we were trying to implement a machine learning algorithm and we were we were preparing a data for that the objective was can we annotate dates in the text and we started thinking like you know okay how would somebody write a date so we started thinking like you know okay these are the way somebody will write what are the days monday to sunday what are the months 
January to December, how do people write it? And then we came up with a pattern where we said day followed by month followed by year. We annotated this entire thing and we gave that data to machine and we told machine, machine, you look at the context and learn how the dates are appearing. This is what we did at that time. When we cover, again, there, there was this another way of recognizing similarities in the text. We used to use something called LSA, which is Latin Semantic Analysis. This was mainly about doing some sort of statistical analysis where we were looking at the documents which had similar types of words appearing in them. And based on that, we would identify whether the two words are related. But then in 2013, something, an algorithm called word to back I think you might have heard about it, that algorithm came and that was based on the neural technology and it started understanding concepts like cat is to kitten, dog is to puppy. So without understanding that how they are related, it, it understood that, you know, these relations have some similarity in them. This similarity embeddings, they play a very important role in many different applications like search, like clustering recommendations. So when we talk about recommendations, what we are doing, basically, if you are looking at a product, we are trying to find other products which are similar to this product. And how do we do that? Well, behind the scene, we are creating these embeddings about that one product and trying to find other products which have similar meaningful words there. When we talk about the building the deep neural network, this what it basically does. Usually, if you think about our brain, the neurons, they are connected with each other. Let, let's take an example. So we want to predict a weather forecast, right? So some input we are taking, like temperature, humidity, pressure, and some other parameters which are related to the prediction of weather forecasting. The first set of neurons, they will look at what's the temperature. And they will also look at what's, say, the humidity. And based on that, they will predict something that, okay, today is going to rain or not. This input, their own decision, they will actually hand it over to the next set of neurons. And it will tell them, hey, now you process, now you analyze the other parameters that you have with the result that I've given to you and try to predict is it going to rain or not? And let's say the second set of neurons predicted that, yes, it's going to rain. But in our training data, if it says that, no, it's not going to rain today, that's not, it's a correct answer. This feedback is then given back to all these neurons and they are told that, hey, you have to change something about your prediction. Now, these neurons, these nodes will change their prediction. They will give it to the next layer again. This process continues until all of them together have predicted the right result. So this is a repetitive process, which is trying to change their own way of predicting things until they become successful in predicting it correctly. This is all very complex, isn't it? 
<laughs> Welcome to the modern AI. <laughs> With modern AI, we don't have to think about any of these things. And this is where we are living today. What modern AI has to offer to us, all of these complex things are ready-made available to us. There are some wonderful libraries available like Hugging Face, TensorFlow, PyTorch. All of these libraries, they have already built so many such models hiding all the complexity behind it and you can very easily use them. How you can do that? Let's have a look at. For example, you want to do sentiment analysis. What is sentiment analysis? We are basically trying to, let's say a customer gave a feed feedback and we are trying to understand whether that's a good feedback, bad feedback, or just a new, uh, normal feedback. The line of, the number of lines that you have to write these days is just these three lines to do the sentiment analysis. You provide the input and it will tell you whether it is negative or positive. Another task, if you want to generate a text, so let's say, you know, you're writing your emails and you are writing few words and the client itself, the Gmail client will actually propose you what to write next. How is that happening? It's again a model like this. You give just a bit of text and based on those models, it is trying to propose you what should be the next text. Question answering. With ChatGPT, that's what we are doing, right? We are asking questions and ChatGPT is coming back with the answers. How is it predicting those things? Well, it's a one type of training that is done. Let's look at the ChatGPT's training here. How did they do this? So they took 7,000 unpublished books and a lot of Wikipedia articles and they gave to a machine. Machine is nothing like a baby and that machine was just reading that content, just reading it for over a year, one year time. It was just reading all this content and it was trying to make some sense out of it, that how these words are connected, what information is present. That's like learning a language. Right, which nobody has to teach, but a child learns when staying with their family, with their friends, they, they would learn about, about natural things. But after that, like we go to school and our teachers gives us a task and when we do it, we may be doing it correctly, we may be doing it wrong and the teacher will react with maybe with some negative marking, with some anger or maybe some guidance that, you know, this is how you should correct this. This is what happens inside a neural technology as well. So for six months, OpenAI guys, they actually interacted with the machine. They gave him feedback that, you know, what you are doing is correct. What you are doing is wrong. And, you know, we don't know what you have done is how you can correct it, but you have to figure it out. What sort of responses they trained it on, that's what we call prompt. So they, they taught them things like, you know, how to write an essay or how to solve a problem. These were the type of examples they gave it to this neural machine. And the machine automatically has learned over the 1.5 years of period how to understand all this question answering thing. 
we all have used chat gpt and we all know how powerful that is but there are certain limitations to it as i said there were certain people who actually gave the feedback to this and these people might have their own understanding these people might have their own biases how they have given the feedback is what we will get answers from this chat gpt so even though it's wonderful it's very powerful but we have to be cautious when we use them and we should be making our own decisions whether what it is producing is correct or not at least at this stage they say chat gpt the gpt4 version has become a lot more powerful is addressing all these different issues but still i think we are in a very very early stage of utilizing this technology so we have to be very very powerful the another limitation here is the machine which is producing this answer it doesn't know what it is doing that's why that's another reason you have to be very careful in how you use this data and similarly there are several other limitations to it and because of that it re- still requires a lot of research and we we just look forward to it but what has come out we know it it is immense immensely powerful and there are certain applications where this can be used for example ecom when we talk about enriching our catalogs which we have been doing for last 7 years introduction of this powerful open ai algorithms is helping us to make it even better text to image i don't know if you have tried a system like dali e to which given some description generates some wonderful images so if we look at the industry currently we know chat gpt that's the one system we know but there are hundreds of such models available hugging face company has more than 100000 models as of yesterday in their repository built by open source community there are some unicorn company status companies with the unicorn uh, status open ai hugging face those are some of the companies which have done wonderfully well in this area so here we are and what will happen in the future this is my take on this i may be completely wrong but i feel that it's not one model world there are 100000 models available in the repository and each of them is doing something different something wonderful the future is going to be where we combine all these models together and try to make something really wonderful imagine a robot which has not only the power of chat gpt but it also understands how to analyze images how to combine that knowledge with the textual interpretation and that's what we we saw one example in gpt4 the chat gpt's latest release as we discussed security the information that it's pr- producing it's something to be careful about and because of that i personally feel that in the coming days there will be a lot of investment happening in that area in ai security and finally we are in the era where i i was reading some article and listening to some videos where they were saying that in 
in next few years there will be only two types of companies one which would have adopted all these technologies and second who do not exist because they haven't adopted these technologies at least at the least what we can do is learn to do the prompt engineering these tools are amazing we need to know how to ask questions to these machines to get the better use of them thank you visit clayvu.com/discovered for more content like this and subscribe for updates